how did you get into these other forms of business or how did your entrepreneurship kind of grow from hair? Because when we were talking to you, what are those um, other businesses? Yeah. What are those other businesses? <laughs> Cause we were addicted to all the house stuff on your Instagram, like all the oh, house stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that was so outside of hair. You know, I actually so. stole one of your ideas recently that you posted and I sent it to my partner. I was like, this is what we're doing in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I love a bathroom for so long. I don't know. The bathrooms really get me. And I love green and blue. And I'm like, we're, we're doing this. So if you, <laughs> Oh, right. The green tile, man. I'm loving that right now. <laughs> if you see that get posted from our end, that's unfortunately. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Good, good. I love it. Hi, everyone. I'm David Bosher. And I'm Sid Sharice. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. Sid, do you still wash your hair? Not since I've been using new wash. No need for conditioners, masks, or post-wash detanglers. Are you talking about the non-toxic detergent-free shampoo and conditioner replacement by Hair Story? Yes, and all of our listeners can get a free pouch of new wash. Visit hairstory.com slash DTH. I'm already typing it in. As coaches, we are constantly asked for what we think is the best booking software system in the industry, and we finally found them. We are excited to introduce you to Gloss Genius, rated Reader's Choice number one software by Beauty Launchpad. We know it's a pain in the ass to switch all of your clients to a new booking system, but Gloss Genius will do this for you for free. DTH listeners get their first month free on us, as well as your very own stunning credit card reader. An $80 value. To sign up, visit dth.glossgenius.com. So we have our, this will be our fifth guest or our fourth guest? Fourth guest. This will be our fourth guest. Like what day is it? We're so excited. I think that we started earlier this year kind of doing meet and greets with our guests Mm -hmm. before they came on. Thanks to Drew, our assistant, who is a genius. Before, we were just kind of throwing people on the podcast and seeing what happened. throw them to the walls. We were like, we've never met you before. Let's just see what happens. Now we're like, let's hang out and, you know, see what comes up in the conversation and what's kind of interesting. So I'm excited to introduce our next guest because we are going to be talking all about being a little bit more dynamic in the hair industry with entrepreneurship that goes a little bit far and above just doing hair. And I think the perfect person, Cash Lawless, is here. And he is going to be telling us his story and everything that he's kind of done up until this point and how that's kind of, is ricochet the word? And hopefully everybody of... will start a new business somewhere along the line by the end of this episode. So welcome, so, Cash. Cash, how are you? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So when we first wanted to have you on the podcast Obviously, we see doing Justin Bieber's hair, and we're obsessed with that. And we love that idea. And also seeing you with many other celebrities and models Mm -hmm. and famous people. And that's always fun to talk about. But when we started talking to you, there was a lot more to your story. So I'm I'm kind of interested in sharing that with our listeners. Such a cool story. Like just in our meet and greet, I was like, I wish we were recording that. So now you have to remember (laughs) everything you said and retell the story to us like you've never told us before. Well. I kind of tell people I started in this industry like every stripper starts their career. (laughs) You kind of make a lot of mistakes. You make some (laughs) bad choices and somehow you end up a stripper and... And you make money. (laughs) Yeah, 
and both make great money. <laughs> and so uh, that's that, that's kind of how I felt in the beginning of my career that it wasn't like this long lifelong plan for me to be a hairdresser. I found myself homeless, living out of an abandoned truck in Portland, Oregon. Nowadays, that's cool, but back then it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't cool back then, and it wasn't <laughs> my intention to to be in that position. But I was, and there was a very generous family who took me in and said, "You're going to read books, and you're going to get a job, and you're going to do amazing and and rehabilitate yourself and succeed in life." And so these this family really believed in me. They flew me to Florida, uh, put clothes on my back, put a roof over my head, and the first job I got was front desk at a salon for six dollars an hour, one day a week. And that $6. was the. And you were not, yeah. you had not gone to hair school yet. This was just the first job. I didn't even know hair school <laughs> existed. I'd cut my own hair for a lot of years <laughs> just from sheer unaffordability. No, yeah. no pun intended, but the shears. But um, <laughs> my hair was a disaster always because I was cutting it. And I really took a liking to hairdressers. I loved hairstyles, they were cool. I wanted to be like them. Uh, they were really um, energetic and, and a lot of them were outgoing and it seemed like all their clients loved them. And they just appeared to be these like mythical magnetic bundles of energy that <laughs> that everyone seemed to like and love. And they were so happy and confident. And, Great description of hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, they, they loved their life. And I was like, I, I want to be happy. <laughs> I'd like some of that. <laughs> they tricked you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. Yeah. They got me. <laughs> well, they, they were going to film a commercial for this salon and they said, you look like a hair, good, you make a good hairdresser. So we'll just teach you how to blow dry. And so I picked up a blow dryer and they showed me the, they showed me the ropes and they said, you're a natural, you should do this and, and you should go to school. So I looked into schools and there was one school available in my area at that time. And so I started at a school doing only black women's hair. And let me tell you, it was a crazy, amazing intro into hair. And those women taught me so much about braiding, hairstyling, culture. You've got an experience and, that's not even taught in hair school, which is the problem. <laughs> We're trying to fight for that right now. I didn't even know that that was a unique experience for you know for someone like me at the time. It's just like, this was the school and this was where I could go. And so that I did it. Yeah, it's all I knew. And that that's how everything got started. That's really interesting. So did you love hair or did you just like the idea of the hairdresser? You know what? I secretly loved hair. I didn't want to tell anyone. I, did, I really didn't want to tell anyone. You fall in love with, it. with us. That's stupid. I don't like hair. <laughs> I went to hair school to be a makeup artist and then was like, came out, never did makeup, just stayed a colorist. Like, it's really? Like, yeah. Cause they were like, oh, it's, you're going to learn makeup and hair. And it was part of the whole licensing. It was one week of makeup, <laughs> nine months <laughs> plus yeah. of hair. So how one can I not fall in love with it? Yeah. <laughs> one hour yeah. nails. That's it. You'll be doing pedicures for the first year of your career. I mean, I got involved in hair because my I didn't want to work a summer job. And my dad was like, well, you have to do something. And then I was like, well, I'll go to hair school. And here we are. <laughs> That's Everybody amazing. secretly look falls at, in love with it. I don't want to work, so I'll just work really hard. <laughs> I, don't <know> why, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I'll work really hard at uh, making you money. Know, I think I thought hair was going to be easier, too. Mm-hmm. I really thought hair was going to be easy. And I had the same thing. I was going to be with fun people and really, you know, it's going to get crazy. And it got crazy. It just TikTok wasn't. makes hair look really easy. 
It's not. It does. It does. <laughs> I feel like hairdressers are very cool to the world right now. I mm-hmm. think the lockdown made us very important. I think Instagram and visual social media like that is like, we look so awesome. And mm-hmm. like our talents are being shown a lot more. And I think it's really cool. And actually, that's how we found you is we saw your Instagram and obviously we started stalking and we were looking at who you were following <laughs> and what work you'd done. How did you break into the celebrity world from being homeless to working at a front desk to then going to hair school? Like where, how did you get to where you are now? What's the long story short of the in-between? Well, I graduated school and realized I didn't know how to deal with straight hair. <laughs> I didn't, know how to cut. I didn't know how to cut a bob or layers or, you know, um, right. I could do a mean flat wrap and uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a king of the Marcells, but I could not cut hair to save my life. So I decided with the support of some of the staff of the salon that I would go to Sassoon's in London and study there. And while I was in that phase, uh, Wynne Claybaugh, the president or dean of, dean of uh, Paul Mitchell schools, invited me to go to Las Vegas for Naha. And while there, I met Mary Brunetti, who was Sally Hirschberger's uh, educational director at the mm-hmm. time. And so I met her at this club in Las I Vegas. I name so long. <laughs> Mary? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, love she's good, awesome. we love a good Mary Brunetti story and her, and her husband's pizzeria. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the brick oven pizza. Yeah, they were just <laughs> opening that when I, was, when, I, when I moved to New York. Good times with them. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. And... So I got wind that Sally was filming a reality TV show and I was, you know, I got an email that said, submit your picture and and do all this stuff. And so I submitted it and Mary called me back and was like, hey, can you be in New York on Tuesday? And I'd already committed to win to being in Las Vegas. And so I was like, wow, what an an opportunity. But I'd already committed and it was a hard decision. But I was like, man, if you don't keep your word, you're nothing. So uh, I'm going to say no. While I was in Las Vegas, that was before Las Vegas, while I was there, Mary was there, I bumped into her. She's like, wait a minute, you're cash. You, we, we talked on the phone and she's like, well, that thing didn't happen. And uh, can you be in New York on Friday? And I was like, I have nowhere to live. And the guy sitting next to me was Gianni Bricado, Sam Bricado's son, who owns the Bricado hairline and a salon in New York. And he was like, well, you could come live with me. <laughs> um, and I was like, I guess it's settled. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gone. to New York. Yeah, yeah. That's so, crazy. you know, I had about 500 bucks to my name and, and moved to New York. I feel like that's, that there's no other like way to move to New York. I don't mm-hmm. really know anyone. No exactly. One moves I was saying, all their money no one moves like, prepared. Yeah. You always move with like a couple hundred bucks in your pocket. We did. And you're like, I'm going to make money. And then you quickly realize that it is very hard and you have to like fight. Spend it all on alcohol just to get that's through. Right. Man, that city will eat you alive, and it does. That's right. That's right. So Mary actually, Sid and I did Naha one year and somehow got connected with Mary for Mm -hmm. critique and feedback. And then it kind of spiraled. And that's how I actually ended up working with Sally was also Mm -hmm. through a Mary connection. What year did you work with Sally? 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I was there 2009. And it's crazy how many people I bump into that in worked. New York that have worked for Sally. You guys could yes. start a group. <laughs> we could we start a <laughs> Sally Hershberger group. Cheers, Sally. <laughs> Connecting people one after yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. She's built yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. There's a, I mean, it was a wild ride. And it sounds like you were in New York for how long? Uh, I was in New York for 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, then you ended up 
in California. Yeah, I ended up in Los Angeles because I had met, well, I got this random referral from Jen Atkin to show up at this event. And so I met Jen and uh, her career was really blossoming at the time. And we kind of just hit it off and she's incredible and amazing and quite the entrepreneur. And so she was building her business the way and main addicts. And so then she sent, she referred me to, to Bella Hadid. And then that kind of spiraled into working with Kylie and Kendall and all, and Haley Bieber and all those crew. And then finally Justin. And so Jen was the, was the introduction, mm-hmm. you know, for me to working on that end of it. And I'd worked with a, a lot of people for years before that, but that was kind of like, Oh, okay. There's a lot of people in LA. And then she, she was like, well, Hey, I'm putting this thing, main addicts together. You should come and be a part of it. It's going to be only six stylists. That's it. And she asked if I wanted to be one of them. And it was a huge honor. And I said, yes. So I moved to LA. That's how I ended up out there. That's crazy. Are you still with Main Addicts? Yeah. Yep. Okay. On the outside, to the consumer, it's kind of this collection of media and Mm -hmm. products. And But on the inside, it it is more of an agency. It is. Yeah. So so they they don't want to be called an agency Mm -hmm. because... They're, they're not. Technically, they're a, a creator collective. Got it. That is the terminology. The, that's the, the LA terminology. terminology. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the terminology. <laughs> Call it an agency. You know, they, they definitely book some things. And, and there's still they're only just, six of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're, yep. Yeah, six. I think um, one of the first people had gone off and done, done his own thing. And then uh, they brought in another person. But Jen is just... Jen's brilliant and yeah. just a really smart businesswoman. And yeah. Really a ton of respect for her. So you went to LA. I know that you own a few other businesses and and I'm sure there's more that you do that we didn't even talk about. So how did you get into these other forms of business or how did your entrepreneurship kind of grow from hair? Because when we were talking to you... What are those um, other businesses? Yeah, what are those other businesses? <laughs> and how did they start and what was your goal behind all that? Because we were addicted to all the house stuff on your Instagram, like all the house stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was so outside of hair. I actually stole one of your ideas recently that you posted and I sent it to my partner. I was like, this is what we're doing in the bathroom. (laughs) Oh, I love a bathroom for some, I don't know. The bathrooms really get me. And I love green and blue. And I'm like, we're, we're doing this. So if you, Oh, right. The green tile, man. I'm loving that for right now. (laughs) If you see that good posted from our end, that's unfortunately. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. Good, good. I love it. Well, the, the the businesses were sort of a natural progression from just wanting to do too much. And I've all of uh, for a long time I've been an overachiever, but I think a lot of that overachieverness came from fear. And so I when I found myself homeless and then found myself kind of growing out of that looking back on it, I saw how ugly that period of my life was. I never wanted to end up there again. And, uh, and that was a huge catalyst in me doing everything I possibly could to be the best I could be. You know, whether it's when I wake up or the first thing I drink in the morning or whatever it was, small little changes I could make to just never go back to that. And business was something that naturally attracted me because I looked at my hair 
business. And I thought, this is not a business. I don't understand where my money's coming from. I don't understand why I'm getting it. I don't understand how I'm uniquely positioning myself in the industry. I don't know what path I'm on. Uh, am I a celebrity hairdresser? Am I a fashion hairdresser? A lot of people feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of feeling just identityless and not sure what path to take and not what sure what opportunities to say yes and no to. And so I just sat down with uh, just a pencil and paper and wrote out, what the heck do I want to do? What, what, what am I going to be? What's the, what is the path here? Because I'm just kind of saying yes and kind of life is taking me along instead of me taking life by the reins. And as I wrote that, I gained more clarity and more clarity and more clarity on what I really wanted and whether the the results of the path I wanted were a life I wanted to live. I mean, we, we plenty of people want to be millionaires, but they don't. They don't want the life of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they want the responsibility. The, they want the, yeah, the possessions and the the exciting things that come along with it. But there's a lot of problems that also come with with a lot of success. So, I just got m- more and more and more clear, and then I just started realizing, wow, man, I'm. I'm getting older and I'm taking on opportunities and I started getting this sense of urgency and I was like I've I've got to do more now I, <laughs> I want to do more right now and I'm actually getting really tired of being mediocre and average so I started putting together a practice regimen so I like um I was be, I would work at the salon all day and then every chance I get, I'd be watching DVDs or stuff online or doing everything I could to assist and learn. And every single weekend I got together with a photographer. And, well, not every single weekend. I'm sure we missed a few here and there. Uh, <laughs> but for several years, we would just shoot for no money. We didn't get paid. Uh, mm-hmm. We just we booked models from agencies and and we started building a portfolio. And it started giving me a little more clarity about what type of hair I wanted to do and what my thing was. And the more hair I did, the more I kind of honed that voicing. So I started earning a little money from working in fashion and I was saving and saving and saving. And I was like, well, what, what, what am I going to do with this? I don't know what to do with this now. I need some clarity <laughs> on that. So I wrote down, what the heck am I going to do with this little pile of money? I didn't need out. I wasn't taking cabs. I was schlepping on the train because I was so scared from that period of my life to, I just became like a, you know, a saver. Yeah. I was like, I just got to save all this money. And then I I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and found out that savers are losers and investors are winners. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We talk to our uh, listeners and our students all the time, like invest your money. Like there's seven avenues of revenue to a millionaire and like hair is one of them, but then create your own products and invest in other businesses and invest your money into stocks and create things. And, you know, there's, you can stay in the beauty world and create all of these different revenues and people just hone in on that. Exactly what you said. They hustle in the bustle and life is taking them and they're exhausted. Or they leave the industry completely. They're like, I'm Mm going to go do this now. And they versus doing both. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. what's interesting about your story is that you kind of added on and didn't really diminish what you had done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I worked hard for that. I wanted to leverage it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? and I, but I think there's a fear of like having to look a certain way. And when we were talking in our meet and greet, you'd even mentioned that your Instagram was very hair heavy. Mm-hmm. And then during lockdown, you said you kind of had a kind of a crisis of what you were supposed to be posting. And that's where some shifts happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had started investing in real estate back in 2000. 15 or somewhere around there and bought a house, turned it into a rental, made a 63% profit on that property. And when I saw those numbers, I thought, well, let me just get a calculator and see if I did two or three or four or five. (laughs) 
And what if I did a hundred? And what if I did a thousand? And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm making money working as a hairdresser and I'm, I'm con- my career's growing and it's, it's on a really good trajectory. It's on a really good path. And this can be sort of my investment. Mm-hmm. You know? But that investment opportunity then turned into a business when we, we had done several hundred properties and we needed people to help and we built a business. Uh, and then I thought, oh gosh, businesses are a really interesting thing. Um, you know, <laughs> how you can leverage people and money. And then I, and then I was like, well, how, how do we, how do I multiply this and how do I make this better? So with that, I started investing in startups and uh, started another, started a manufacturing company out in Los Angeles with my brother. We manufacture motorcycle parts. We, we've uh, manufactured about 700 proprietary parts and we have a global online store selling motorcycle parts. I love motorcycles. I like building <laughs> motorcycles um, with my brother. And, and so that was another thing that I thought, well, this is, this is really cool. But I took all those lessons I've learned from hair, working with people. And then I tur- took the lessons I learned managing money and real estate, and then started seeing the models that I liked and worked for me and just kind of multiplied them into other businesses. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how those things came to be. And then not sleeping a lot. That's another <laughs> reason those, those things came to be. It's easy to say, like, have these multiple avenues of revenue, but you have to also be like mentally ready for them. You have to have the vessel to take it all on. You have to make room for it. It's going to be overwhelming, but especially if you're doing things that are your own businesses and you're fulfilled in them, it's, it's life-changing. Like it's so much more rewarding to do that work than to work for someone else and have nine different jobs that someone else owns. Yeah. And you know what I find is some some people's business ideas, they do turn into jobs. You know, they do yeah. become a slave to the problems they produce themselves. And that was me. I did that yeah. in the beginning. You know, I was like living in New York, trying to flip a house in Texas. And I'm <laughs> spending a fortune flying back and forth. I own a house in forth. Pittsburgh, so I feel you. We, we own a house that. in Texas. <laughs> same thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. okay. I own a house in Texas. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and I'm so already you know. looking to find another house in another state. So I'm like, why am I doing this myself? But it's worth it. And buying an apartment in New York City. It's mm-hmm. all very... But I think, like you said, Sid, it's like... It's not as ex- exhausting when it's passion. When it's passion mm-hmm. that's kind of fueling it. And the fact that there's money involved as well and there's investment involved it kind of just has a very mature grown-up feel to it like okay i'm making those strategic investments in myself and in my future and i think everyone gets there at some point where that switch goes on like what am i doing i think everyone hits that at different ages Mm -hmm. and so i think if you know people are listening that are younger i don't know about the two of you but i would push people that are younger to start thinking in a more dynamic way now don't just think so much behind the chair. You can make money in multiple ways. And I know I have met so many hairdressers from coaching. I know Sid, you as well, and all of our other coaches, where hairdressers get to a point where they kind of say, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if this is what mm-hmm. I thought it was, or I don't know where I'm going with my career. And then they either want to go back to school, which is which is great. But they sometimes go into all these other things quickly to try to solve like a money problem. And it's I I really want to reinforce how important it is to keep what you have, what you've built and expand and go off into other areas of business. How many businesses do you have? You have the motorcycle parts. What business, what is that called by the way? Uh, TJ Brutal Customs. TJ Brutal Customs for any motorcycle enthusiasts out there. And then you have a real estate company? 
Yes, a couple of them. Yeah, so we, we've got the Lavas Group, which is a, a retail real estate agency. So we buy and sell houses just like uh, real with real estate agents. Mm -hmm. And we have clients that want to sell or buy or and make investments. And then we have a company called Home Theory, where we purchase houses for cash. And we flip those houses, we sell them as portfolios, we help other investors build their real estate portfolios. And out of that came, you know, more of a, a marketing machine, a marketing company. Mm -hmm. um, and lots so of marketing cool. lessons learned from that. I didn't <laughs> want to, I wanted to touch on one thing you said about hairdressers not thinking this was something that they thought it would be and, and quitting and doing something else. Because what I feel, what I think and what I've experienced is that people do that too early. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's really what it is. is they, they give up too quick. They don't hang on long enough. And that really is the biggest difference. Because I can't tell you in hair school how many days I was washing a plastic head <laughs> in the sink mm -hmm. and thinking, what the hell am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> Even your first couple of years, you're like, how is this going to sustain me? But yeah, yeah. And and there's so many moments where you're like, is this even for me? Is this even worth it? Why am I not making more money? I see everyone else getting jobs and you start playing the comparison game. And then yeah. with Instagram, you kind of see other hairstylists mm -hmm. that have put in 10, 15 years of work. And you're like, why am I not there yet? Setting completely unrealistic um, expectations. Two, you're like, why am I not there yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it just, it, you know, I've never seen it happen that quick. So I'm not saying anything's possible. You, you can be come out of your mother's womb and, you know, <laughs> We've seen crush it. it. Yeah. But there's still hard work involved too. And we remind our students all the time, like there's so much money to be had in this industry outside mm -hmm. from behind the chair and owning a salon. And so you just have to find that, like, there's so many things that you can create to make money. We have a whole coaching company that has no overhead that we've built. You know, we still do hair. We are invested in products and sponsorships and podcasts. Like there's so many other avenues that you could be doing in your business to make money. And we're not taught as artists about business. And so I think that's the shift that needs to happen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. If you love doing hair and you love the things that accompany like being with people, hair, hair is so much fun. If you mm -hmm. love doing it, then I would say you have to give it everything, everything you've got, because it is very uncommon. It's a very precious gift to find something that you do love in life that you can monetize and do it in a space where literally there are no boundaries these mm -hmm. days. Yeah. It's like insane what you can do yeah. as a hairdresser. You can literally, like, forget six figures. And the reach through social media. It's insane. Like, you can reach a whole community versus before you had to give people a card and hope they didn't lose <laughs> it. And, like, you know, now you can put out a post and, like, anybody in your location of a five-mile radius can see your post. And that's incredible marketing right there. And, and, I, and again, social media is something that people struggle with all the time. Cash, you just said that forget six figures, you could definitely do seven figures as a hairdresser. And since, right. since recently gotten two of her students to seven mm -hmm. figures. And wow. that that is like, you know, we kind of come from the era of like six figure hairdresser. And now we're getting to the era of seven figure hairdresser. And I think that's just really, mm -hmm. I think that's really cool that we're, that we're there. It is that's achievable. Right. But Cash, tell me more about, I thought it was interesting because it does kind of go into social media that when you were in quarantine, you were kind of faced with that, like, what do I post kind of thing? And how did that change your relationship with your followers? And what was, what was the, I think a lot of hairdressers are afraid to post anything but hair. 
like other things that they do or other projects they have because they feel like it takes away from that part of their life. But you had a different experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. There are obviously best practices and rules and and ways to do things. And, and <laughs> I, I don't know. The algorithm's the algorithm. You know what I mean? Like there's there might be some things that work for someone and they've found those. I felt that it wasn't being true to myself if I hid all this stuff I do that's a huge part of who I am and what I love just so I can get some more followers or make sure that my page looks a certain way or, you know, it just felt ingenuine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel right for me. And I know it, you know, certain things work for certain people. And uh, the purpose of the platform is going to be whatever the person using it is using it for. For me, I just wanted to share what I do for two reasons. I was very much inspired by Vogue magazine, Julian D's, you know, like I'm very thankful for the imagery that those people created and the work they did. And Luigi Moreno being another one of them, Guido Palau, all of their imagery was very inspiring to me. And it kept me going in times where I was just kind of like, uh, do I even want to do this? And so I felt like, you know what, if their work was maybe inspiring or helpful, getting me through days and giving me something harder to try, maybe I can try that. Maybe my work would be inspirational. And then the other thing was I just wanted to be helpful. So if there was something I could post that I'd learned, um, like a technique or something cool, then here, I've been in doing this for you know 12 years now and try this. I would have loved to have some of those videos when I first started. Um, and fortunately, I had a, a, you know, a box of clippers with two DVDs in it from Walmart. And that's, <laughs> that's essentially how I learned to first cut hair. Yours came with DVDs? <laughs> Uh, yeah, DVD. <laughs> I love that. I think people are people are multifaceted, and I think it's totally fine to share that. And then, and I never like worked showed much of like me working doing my kids' hair. And in quarantine, I started doing that. Um, and it actually was really fun to be able to work with my daughter more and create kind of how to content. And cool. um, was just like, well, you know, if I'm not doing as much hair, I'm sure she loved it too. Oh yeah, I mean, at the end, she was just kind of like, okay, what are you going to pay me? <laughs> Well, you taught, I'm sure yeah. you taught her that. Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, but in, yeah, it was it was such a cool thing to be able to do. And, and as a father, which I'm not, uh, there, there aren't too many father hairdressers that I bump into. I know a few, but that's not the majority. Yeah, it's an incredible way to get to know your kids uh, because when when you're touching their hair, people just open up. You know, it's like mm-hmm. your client, but now you're that's your kid, and um, it just kind of builds a really cool relationship with not just people, but your kids. So I always tell dad, dads like, learn how to braid. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. learn how to learn how to do one braid. Offer to braid your daughter's hair. You'll have a good laugh if you suck <laughs> at it at least. But yep. it'll be a good time and it'll be a great experience for you. That's your next project, a children's book or a, a dad's book to, oh my to gosh, hairstyling. You would save <laughs> That's right. Yeah. People all- you would save many people's mm-hmm. relationships with their daughters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well or any child with so, long yeah. hair that wants a braid. Uh, yeah. yeah, you started posting the housing though, the fl- all the flipping that you were doing and kind of <laughs> that stuff during the quarantine. And yeah. you, you said that you kind of noticed people were a little bit more engaged with that, which I think is interesting and kind of important to point out for the listeners because I don't know about you, said, but I tell everyone people are sick of looking at hair. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants to look at hair anymore. Like maybe <laughs> once in a while, once in a while, yeah. we want to see it. We get it. You do hair. <laughs> McDonald's doesn't need to yeah. keep just telling us they make sandwiches. Like, we got it. Just remind like, me that there's yeah. a McDonald's around the corner and we'll go. Right. Just stay, <laughs> yeah. keep showing your face. 
and I we'll come that. to you for hair. I love that. But when you were posting some of the house projects that you were doing, you were getting more engagement from that. I was. Yeah. Why, why like, do you think that is? I don't know, but engagement sort of like um, <laughs> pentupled. Yeah. Uh, and, and people just want more of that. And I, and maybe it's because it's kind of a popularity to flipping houses and there's a mystique to it. It's expensive to do and, and you can make a lot of money doing it. And there's a lot less access, you know, to, to flipping houses. Not everyone knows or gets to see those projects or before and afters. And they happen to be very visually satisfying, just like hair before and afters. Yeah. There is just something special about flipping a house. Like when you walk into a house that smells like dog crap and it's covered in spider webs and there's like crack cocaine remnants <laughs> everywhere. There's something special about that. And I see a lot of opportunity in it and it's it's just a really fun thing. And so when I started posting before and afters and kind of some inspiration picks, some of the things that, that we look at to what we're doing in houses right now, people just liked it. More than yeah. the hair stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't yeah. mean that the hair stuff won't keep coming, you know, but I feel like there was something about it that people liked. And I was so scared to change my page, change my identity on my page. Like, yeah, I flip a bunch of houses and no one really knew. And and it was kind of refreshing or relieving. I was kind of like came out of the, the closet as a hair. As a, <laughs> uh, yeah, secrets out. You know, I do other stuff and I'm a, I'm a person <laughs> that, that, you know, does more than hair. It felt good, you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of, I'm just kind of sharing my life now. Yeah. But that's really what people want to see. And we teach a lot of social media to our students and I'm like, show your life like as much as possible because that's really what people are interested in. You know, you post something and then everybody floods like, oh, I need to see you. I need to get in with you. I need to, and it'll actually drive your business more the more you show yourself. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think hair is aspirational. Like you can look at a photo, but you know, it's not related to you. Like someone's blonde, but someone has black hair. They, it's a beautiful photo. They don't connect. But then when you're looking at a house, we all love the idea of remodeling our house mm-hmm. or the idea of remodeling our room. And it takes the person out of it and it makes it about this third party. And I think it's more inspirational because it's not on a, it's not on a person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think hair can get a little bit divisive when you're posting beautiful, beautiful hair. It's usually on beautiful, beautiful models. And that can slowly start to take away people's interaction because they're like, what am I going to, you know, of course I like it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think when you do a house, there's a lot more talk about, you know, I want, I love this color. I want to do this in my house. I, you know, we're doing this right now in our building. I think, I think that's where that engagement comes from. And I think it's a really big lesson that just kind of showing, like you said, that you're multifaceted. So many hairdressers I know do so many other things and like try to shrink it down Mm -hmm. because they, they feel like it stifles their their career or like that it'll become confusing. I hear that all the time. I don't want my I don't want my clients to be confused. I'm like, they're not confused. They know that you are a human being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that you yeah. like do other things. But we do. We turn into this like, I have to be a hairdresser and I have to look like this and I have to promote myself like this. And that's why I thought your story was so interesting. Well thank you. I I when I came to the conclusion I didn't want to do one thing and stand in one spot, a five foot square for my entire life, um, it became imperative that I do other things. And we can try to become experts in things. And when I started stepping into the real estate world and into the business world, and uh, I've now done consulting for other businesses and building models for other people, and I was scared that I wasn't going to be an expert in something anymore. And I needed to be the expert. 
But really, what I found was that I don't want an expert's life. And that's what I mean when you're setting goals for yourself. You got to make sure that the results yield the life you Mm -hmm. want. And I didn't want to be, and I honestly don't, I don't want to be on my flip projects swinging hammer for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. And I don't want to be turning wrench on motorcycles for my whole life. That's why we started making motorcycle parts and selling them. That's why we have GCs now managing projects, multiple teams of GCs. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have hair, hair assistants and we have protégés and we bring people up and we leverage those things because I want to have a multifaceted, varied life full of adventure and excitement. And I'm just not going to have that doing one thing for my personality. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's it's awesome if you do other things. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to offer advice to listeners about getting out there, because I you kind of shared a little bit about your process, you wrote things down, you were trying to figure out where you were going. What would be some advice you have for people who are trying to get started on in that path of how do I add to this career? A couple of things. Number one, focus on clarity, gain clarity. Know what it is that you want and where you want to go and why you want that and figure out if the result of that path is going to yield a lifestyle that you're really going to enjoy. Do this. Close your eyes. Think about the ultimate place in the world you want to be. Just close your eyes. Think about where would that be? Then ask yourself, who would I be with? Is it your, you know, your spouse or your partner or your best friends or who's going to be there with you? And then what are you doing? Are you not doing anything? Are you fully retired? Are you golfing? Are you, are, are you uh, crushing it in hair? Are you making wigs? Or do you have a multi-billion dollar salon, worldwide, corporate, 100 location business? What, what is that, that that you want? Write that down and then write out how you plan to get there. Second, after you envision where you, the life you want to be and where you are, you've got to develop urgency. And I think that you've got to understand why you want to do this. Um, it's going to carry you through because it's every day you're going to want to quit. Understanding why this has to be done. For me, I want to succeed in these things because I cannot stand the thought of the alternative. I cannot stand, I can't think about going back to what I once, what a life I once had. I don't ever want that again. I don't ever want to be back there. And that drives me. And then now that I have kids, that also is like, do I want my kids to see me be average at everything I do? You know, don't want my kids to see me just going home and Netflixing for four hours a night? No, I don't. I don't want them seeing that. I don't want them modeling. I don't want to model that for them. And so that's a huge so get other get that why. out of your system before you have <laughs> yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's what you're laughs> you're booking hotels just to Netflix and chill by yourself. Like. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the secret. Exactly. <laughs> And the third, if after you've developed some clarity and you know why you've developed some urgency, why this has to be done now, use big models, big models. There are people who have done amazing things before you. And there are certain ways you can do things in life. Like there's a reason a balance sheet and an income statement are the way they are. They're models for managing money. There are people who have developed models out there, like what you guys are doing, helping businesses. There are models that you can use over and over and over. And when you use big models, you get big results. And when you get big results, you move forward really, really fast. And what I would say is the mistake that a lot of people use with models is they try to get creative. They'll try something and then let me just get creative. Let me get creative with it and try this and try this. Master a model that works first then tweak one thing at a time to like see you can make that model better. Exactly. You get you learn, do Cut learn a straight line. <laughs> yes. It, I was just about to say that. Learn line before graduation. Use models 
and look for them everywhere and in everyone you meet. Everyone's doing, you know, around you, if you're surrounding yourself with good people, doing things that you can garner models from. And they're out there and there are people teaching them and there are people who have them that are close to you or around you and near you that are doing things well and repetitively. Uh, and that's the key, doing, so doing things well repetitively. Mimic. Yeah. Yeah, use the models. And it, and like a model doesn't mean like you need to do your you know, using the model, let's say like um like a formula in hair. It's just because one person uses that formula, it's not gonna work on every single mm-hmm. head of hair. I mean, you, you need you need to have the the model or the rules mm-hmm. so that you understand the principles behind what you're doing. Once you understand the the models, the principles, you can get creative within those one thing at a time, and then you get more predictable results all across your life in everything you do gain clarity, create urgency, and use big models. And, and you can really do incredible things and multiply your success much faster than, than you'll see a lot of other people doing. That's, That's amazing. amazing advice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, should I write this I know, down? Right? I was like, no, they can <laughs> hear it on the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> That's, a, that's awesome. So thank you. not to switch gears on you, but we would love to keep talking with you, but we do have to end our time together. <laughs> And to end our time together, we usually like to end on a light, soft note. So we like to end a lot of our shows with a funny or horrific hair horror story that you've experienced (laughs) or caused or witnessed, just to kind of bring it to a soft, funny ending. (laughs) Well, I've been hit by several hairdressers. Um, I know who some of them are. Yeah, we sure you do. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever carried carried a seventy pound suitcase, like seven of them at a time? <laughs> and, only, and only one of them was yeah. used. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and only one can of hairspray from those yep. seven bags was used. Yeah. So <clears throat> earlier in my career, like one of the first celebrities I worked with was Natalie Portman, and oh, we're going was, right for the celebrity story. Great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it, it made the news, you know, there's articles on it. I was super nervous about drying Natalie Portman's hair. I was assisting Mark Townsend at mm. the time. And he has just been an awesome person, awesome mentor. Great, great. You want to look at models. This guy can retain clients for years and years and years and years like nobody can. Yeah. He knows how to build relationships and he's, he's phenomenal at it. And he's just because he's a genuine guy. But anyway, he, he we were doing the the Met Gala, I believe. No, it wasn't Met. It was uh, it was another shoot. He was like, "I'm going to go do Mary Kate and Ashley really quick, and you're going to stay here and finish up. Um, you're going to blow dry Natalie." And I was like, "Okay, um, okay." So I'm going to get my hair dryer and my brush, and I'm going to pull really hard. And, and you make forgot sure you forgot how to do hair completely. <laughs> Basically, That's yeah, yeah. Always what happens when <laughs> you go to went, work with. Them. <laughs> <laughs> went overboard and wound up burning her scalp with my blow dryer. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, my career's over. It's over. I'm done. And I'm never coming back. I almost, I, I almost ran away. Um, oh my God. I was just like, if, if I never see Mark again uh, or them, I'll be fine. I'm just going to quit here. But it wound up being fine. I never saw her again. But <laughs> Mark and I are still friends. <laughs> How did this get in the news? Well, I, Who I probably it? something, probably something like this, where someone's like, <laughs> oh, laughingly, like, tell me a story, and they wound up being a publicist at some event I didn't know about, <laughs> and uh, oh my god, and it, I got screwed. You know? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> but I, I, I tell that one because it's out. It's already <laughs> out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yep. 
Oh my gosh, that's too good. But also sad, but also hilarious. <laughs> but also sad and hilarious. I, I still did okay. Oh my God. And you yeah. know what? That feeling, I've had the same experience with when it comes to like a celebrity or a person that's important or we hold in esteem. It's like, I forgot how to do hair. I, my hands don't work mm-hmm. anymore. I don't know what is up and what's down. And it's just, it never leaves you. Mm-hmm. Like the, the memory and the reaction that your body has, it just, it never leaves you that horrifying moment yeah. where you're like, I just fucked up and there's nothing <laughs> you I can, feel I, the I have blood to look at this person from your body out your toe. And you have to look them in the eye and you have to <laughs> figure it out. Oh, I've told so many of my assistants, like, you be the first to call it. You don't sit there and be like, gosh, I hope they don't notice. Exactly. I'm not satisfied. We're going to make this perfect. I think we can do this. Yeah. Start over. Just start over. Start over. Just be confident. Be like, no, not accepting this. Yeah. Um, And it's like, rather than being like, okay, take the cape off. See you later. (laughs) Don't look in a mirror. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on our show. It's always awesome. And hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, Cash, we we hope to be doing a private podcast very soon where we have, a, if we if you drink, we have a few drinks and we talk about the real deal in the mm-hmm. industry. <laughs> oh, I'm there. Let's do it. <laughs> so we are excited to hopefully have you on that as well in the future. But thank you so much for being with us. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are amazing. Can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Thank you. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. We either all need to start doing this together. We're not doing an industry I know. standard. We're that. Can you imagine if the whole entire hair community in the whole world was like all hair services? Are $100 an hour, no matter where you are. What would we do? You it, can't go to someone else. It would become normal within 365 days. Yep. <laughs> Just like the pandemic. <laughs>